This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. Well, with the help of God, the Holy Spirit, this morning, I trust we're going to see the inseparable relationship between the Word of God, we've just had it read to us, and the Spirit of God so beautifully set out for us by Jesus in our gospel reading this morning. So I invite you to journey with me deeply into this passage as we look at the words of Jesus. Listen to His words from from His lips to our ears this morning. He says, these are the things I have spoken, these things I have spoken to you while I was still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. What's happening here in this chapter? Uh, I'm a bishop that, uh, like your own bishop, who believes that Bibles are a lot better open than they are closed. So uh, if you have access to a Bible this morning, I want to encourage you to open it. If you find the sermon boring, you can read from another passage, and I'll think you're in the same passage that I'm in, and I won't feel discouraged at all. If you have an electronic version of the Bible, uh, you can use that, but just don't check your emails while I'm preaching this morning. You know, I said that at a congregation once, and somebody sent me a text message during my sermon on my iPad. I know that wouldn't happen at Church of the Res this morning. Let's go to John 14. That's our our Bible passage this morning. What's happening here in this chapter? The Lord is telling His disciples that He's going away. And He he gives them a whole list of things in preparation for His departure to heaven. What do we see? We heard it read. He's reassuring them that there is an abode, a place prepared for them. And he's developing that theme. He's gone to prepare a place for them in this chapter. And he he reassures them in a variety of ways. He says, you will not be left alone. And he talks about being led. Rather, he says, you will be led. And that's the theme that's being reinforced in our passage this morning. Jesus is saying, I am going to lead you where in my word through the ministry of the Holy Spirit after my ascension to heaven. And we come to this reference. You'll see it there. Do you see it? Verse 26, this reference to the Holy Spirit as the helper, the comforter. So I was processing in this morning. I was thanking the Lord that He is my helper. He is my comforter. And this is the second of four times we see the Holy Spirit referred to as the helper in this farewell discourse of Jesus. So he's setting a scene here for his disciples and for us. And three things I want you to notice today, they're not all original to me, but I hope they'll be as impactful to you as they have been to me. Here's the first one. Jesus draws our attention to the Word. Verse 25, would you say Word? word. Say it again. Word. I want you to remember that. Three things to remember. Even those of us like me that aren't so good at math, we can do three things, right? Here's the first one is Word. Jesus says, these things, do you see it? I have spoken to you while I am still with you. He's drawing us into the Word. He says, these things. Which are these things that Jesus refers to? 
Well, these things are these things we hold in our hand, the very Word of God. Every letter, every stroke of a pen in the Bible, every syllable has come directly from the mind of God under the inspiration of God, the Holy Spirit. And so these things, these words, this book is set apart from all other books and all other words in the world. Yes? You know, we're allowed to say amen even as Anglicans. Amen? Amen. With the final stroke of the Apostle John's pen on the island of Patmos, from then on down to the present day, to this very morning at Rez, every claim to truth is measured by these things. Let's remember that. This is why in our Anglican order, these things, the Word of God, has such a central place in our worship. We sing the Word of God in our praise. We've been doing it this morning. We read God's Word publicly. It's been read to us this morning when we gather on a Sunday morning. We focus our attention on preaching, on the exposition of these things. These things. Not other things. These things. Do you notice here Jesus' obvious reference to the Trinity? It's beautiful. He says, these things, listen, I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you. Why is the Spirit sent by the Father in the name of Jesus? Because in God, we have one undivided, one singular, one numerical being that subsists in three persons, not one God that appears in three different ways, independent from each other. We have one independent being, uh, one undivided being of God subsisting in three ways. And all the three ways, what do they do? They share the same mind the same mind. They share the same will, the same activity, the same word. And so you can connect verse 25 and verse 26. Look with me. We discover that what Jesus is speaking and what the Holy Spirit is speaking and what the Father is saying through Jesus and the Holy Spirit, it's all the same. It's never going to be separate. It's all the same. And it is one content that's been provided with full divine authority from God to us, His finite creatures, this very morning. That should reassure us in a world that's so full of uncertainty and change. And we're told here, look with me, that the Holy Spirit is teaching the same message that Christ gave to the apostles. The Holy Spirit comes, look, verse 26, and will bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The Spirit never comes contradicting the Bible, never. It's only Satan who comes, often dis dis uh, disguising himself as the Holy Spirit with an impression or an insight or a vision or an illumination, but he comes as a mimicker and a liar, and he'll present under the guise of the Spirit false and foreign deceptions of God's Word in order to deceive God's people. This is why the Word of God is central to us. I hope we're thankful for what we have in this book, yes? I truly do. You see, brothers and sisters, the Spirit's work is to take the things of Christ and to reveal them to us. And even today, even this very morning, I would suggest right now in this moment, we depend on the Spirit to teach us, to show us the things of Christ, the glory of Christ. He's showing us these things that Jesus refers to here 
in the passage. During the, uh, the Reformation, in the copious writings of Hendrik Bollinger, one of the early Swiss reformers, on the title page of each of his sermons were written the words, Hear ye him. Not hear ye the preacher, hear ye him. And why did Bollinger write that? What was the point? Bollinger knew that each time he preached, and each time those listening heard a sermon, they and him were dependent on the ongoing prophetic ministry of the Spirit through the Word of God that is conveyed to us. The Bible is our tie to the throne of heaven. The Bible is the means through which God continues to speak to the hearts and minds and souls and circumstances of people in this world. And so we are acutely dependent on the Word of God that He has given to us. So firstly, these things, this Word, and Jesus draws our attention there in the Word, always go deep there first. Let's go there. Secondly, the inspiration of the Spirit. Would you say inspiration? So we've got word, and we've got inspiration. Verse 26, look with me. The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Thank God for that, right? The inspiration of the Spirit, the, the, the reference here initially, initially is to those immediate disciples, the apostles who were with Jesus. These men with Jesus were given offices and gifts to function in a unique capacity within the New Testament church. We read that later when Paul wrote to the Ephesians in chapter 2, where he writes, we read of Christ as the, as what, the chief cornerstone and the apostles and the prophets as the foundation upon which the church is built. How is it that the apostles and the prophets are the foundation upon which the church is built? Because they were the means God employed under the inspiration of God the Holy Spirit to furnish us with the complete Bible, the Scriptures upon which the church is built. And the Holy Spirit did that. I mean, you take the whole Bible. There are 40 authors, among them whom? Princes, commanders, army commanders, shepherds, fishermen, a doctor, a tent maker. There's a span of about 1,500 years. You have three different languages, 66 books, and they all convey one message, and they all come from one source. No human being could do that. Try and convince me of that. You never will. God himself, through the inspiration of the Spirit, did that. Yes? Amen? It's amazing. It's God's amazing book. No human being on the planet could do it. The inspiration of the Spirit brings the Word of God through the apostles, and we're hearing it this morning here at Res. And it's just amazing. This continues to be the work of the Spirit, even this morning. Because not only did the Word of God come to the apostles who were listening to Jesus, the Word of God comes to us inspired by the Spirit, and we're holding it here in our hands. So we too are part of this. We're caught up, we're moved by the Spirit through His inspiration to receive the Word. And we're the ones that do what when we hear it? We bow down, don't we, 
in reverence because when we hear it, 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 it moves our inner being. We bow down and we receive what he has said, God speaking to us. What else happens? Our foolishness gets checked by God's wisdom as it's read and proclaimed through the ministry of the Spirit. There's a reverence in our response as we hear the word. Think of Isaiah. And by the way, that's how you say that name. <laughs> Will you say it with me? Isaiah. Isaiah. Just remember that. That's a fourth thing you should remember from the sermon uh, this morning. Isaiah. Listen to Isaiah. Isaiah speaks about what? He speaks about trembling, trembling at God's Word. I wonder when the last time we all trembled at the Word of the Lord. The Bible's to be handed with reverence. There's a trembling that takes place in our spirits. So what is happening here at Res this morning, in this moment right now, is very holy. The Spirit of God is at work through the preaching of God's Word right now, and we need the Spirit, yes, to be our helper. We don't need the ministers to be our helper or the bishop to be our helper. God might choose and call us, me, others, to proclaim his word, but he certainly doesn't need my help. He doesn't need me to be a comedian in the pulpit or a rock star preacher. He doesn't need me to be a celebrity or to use gimmicks to minister to your heart or mine. He has a helper. We have a helper. It's God, the Holy Spirit, amen? I wonder if you've observed the flood of gimmicks that have poured into the church in an attempt to excite the populace and heighten the relevance of God's Word in churches across America. It beggars belief. Some of you will have read about the preacher who zoomed into the pulpit on a zip line to illustrate the return of Christ. I'd be too terrified I'd fall off. We are seeing waves of gimmicks from a new generation to get the attention and captive the so-called elusive buzz factor in preaching, to appear more cool than last week's preacher or next week's preacher. Do not settle for it, brothers and sisters. Don't go there, preachers. No matter how exciting a zip line might be in church on a Sunday morning, such innovative antics will fail to build a foundation of faith that will bear fruit in human life. This book will do that through the inspiration of God, the Holy Spirit. Because if we believed what we ought to believe about the Bible, the living Word of God, I believe people would be flocking to bring themselves under the authority of God's living Word. It's not a dead book. These aren't dead letters on a page. They're living. They're full of vibrant, heart-piercing life. The book of Hebrews tells us the Word of God is living and it's active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's got hands to get hold of you. Have you noticed sometimes when a preacher is preaching, you think they're doing it, but it's actually the Spirit that's doing it, and the Spirit's grabbing hold of you, and He's convicting you, and He's ministering into your heart. That's the inspiration of the Spirit, sharper than a, a sharpest of swords. It has power to search deep into our minds. The Spirit comes as our helper. Come now, Holy Spirit, even now. Come now, Lord, be our helper. So firstly, these things, Jesus draws us, doesn't he, into these things, the word about God. And that's how faith comes. Paul tells us that faith comes from hearing, and what is heard comes through the word about God. Secondly, the inspiration 
of God the Holy Spirit, the Helper. He's helping us this morning. Are we saying, come Holy Spirit, be our Helper, teach us the Word? And thirdly, the illumination of the Spirit. Would you say illumination? illumination? Illumination of the Spirit. Look with me. Verse 26. Look at the words of Jesus here. The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now, let's, let's just think about this for a moment. Let's think carefully about the illumination of the Spirit. One of the hallmarks of the 16th century Reformation and of the Reformers, and consequently one of the hallmarks of what's become theology in our own Anglican church, is the relationship between the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Listen to these words by one of the leading scholars of the Reformation. Listen. The work of the Spirit is joined to the Word of God. He said, the external Word has no avail by itself unless it is animated by the Spirit. I believe that we would be presumptuous to say that we are looking for the ministry of the Holy Spirit if we neglect the Word of God. I really believe we'd be presumptuous to do that. This is the means God has ordained. But we would also be presumptuous to say we are content with just the Word and would spurn or quench or refuse to seek or ignore the work of the Holy Spirit. From the time of the Reformation and since before then, we have always believed in the church. The work of the Spirit of God and the Word of God are intrinsically connected together. No sword can cut without a hand to manage it. That's the relationship between the Word and the Spirit. No word. No word can penetrate your heart or mine or even the most stubbornest of hearts. God illuminates His Word through the ministry of the Spirit. And it's beautiful, isn't it, when that happens? Would you ask Him to do that? Even now, this morning? Ask Him each day to do that. When you rise each day, when you get into your Bibles, Lord, would you speak to me? Would you help me to remember all those things that you have taught me in your word and that are in your word. Ask him each day to do that. Ask him even now, in this moment, Lord, illuminate your word by your spirit. Let's just ask him to do that. Speak, oh Lord, as we come to you to receive the food of your holy word. Take your truth, plant it deep in us, shape and fashion us in your life. 
that the light of Christ may be seen in us, in our acts of love and our deeds of faith. Speak, O Lord, and fulfill in us all your power. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come and be he who illuminates the word? Illuminate it now here in our hearts. Take us deeper than we've gone before. Illuminate it. Not only, Lord, would we humbly ask you to illuminate the word, but we pray even now that you would inspire, inspire us to go deep into it that you would take us deep into these things, that's what Jesus called them, these things that our Lord has said and spoken to us and that we've received and heard read to us, minister to, to us, Lord. Minister to us. Show us just how very important it is each day to take your word and ask you to come and feed us that we may feast on the word of God that you would attend to the word with blessing and power. And not only would you do that, Lord, but your spirit would then come and bring conversion and healing, that your spirit would then come and bring the hardest of hearts and make them soft, that your spirit would then come as the word of God is proclaimed and bring the unbelievers to faith. You do it all, Lord, because it's all about you and never about us. Blessed Lord God, who has caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, embolden and strengthen and invigorate our sense of confidence in the Bible, and grant us to go deep, to read and mark and learn and inwardly digest that by the patience and comfort of thy holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.